On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus prays to his Father, I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them from the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Nate Gazau, and you're listening to Aliens on Earth. Please stick around. We've got a very special episode just for you. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is episode 13, Owner or Steward. Ownership is freedom, power, leverage. The more that you own, the better off you are. It's not just for bragging rights and for fame or for position. The more that you own, whether that be money, properties, land, businesses, or investments, the more bandwidth you have to really help to aid others. Let me ask you something. What is one thing that you've worked extremely hard for you finally attained ownership of whether that be a house a clothing line an art studio maybe you inherited a family business maybe a large sum of money or some kind of ira account or a rare collector's item whatever that may be as a society we collectively love the idea of having or owning bigger and better things. We have this sort of obsession with accolades. We have this sense that I've made it. The more that we accumulate or the more that we can say that we truly own, we're extremely defensive about our things as well. You know, we've we've adapted the idea that we're in fact masters of our own lives, that we control and are masters of our fate. We own the rights to do and to think as we please and we have no one to answer to, right? The essence of ownership is to be in complete control of that which you own. Honestly, I don't believe that we're made to be owners by design. I believe that we're created to be stewards of all that God's created, including ourselves, stewards of us. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything that is on the earth belongs to God. He has created all of it. So that means even us, we belong to him. You know, oftentimes we assume that we're the owners of our own lives, our finances, our possessions. We can be gripped by worry, by fear, by anxiety, and we can worry about all the what ifs, right? Because we ultimately don't really have the control that we believe we have. Can you with certainty guarantee what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Probably not. When we act like an owner, worry, fear, anxiety are always present because there's so many things that we can't control. We're not created for the responsibility that comes with this ownership thing. We play a part, but all the heavy lifting is God's. So we should give up that control. The tendency to behave like owners comes from the desire to control, mostly driven by our fears. Although we can be gripped by pride and driven from pride as well. We fear losing something, so we tighten our grip on it. We must accept that we're not in control, but God always is. We can trust God with our presence 
present and our future. And even if we lose something, it's not a loss to God. He still owns everything. God's given us the easier part of the equation. As stewards, we can only manage what we've been given. No more, no less. We don't have to create something out of nothing or sustain things to grow and ensure the good outcomes. That's entirely up to God. Our part is to manage what we have and do it faithfully. So through God's word, you know, God even gives us and provides us with the wisdom to accomplish these things. I want to share one example from my personal life that comes to mind. About seven years ago, I experienced loss for the first time that hit me so close. And this experience really shook me up from the inside. I had so many questions for God and zero answers. You know, I couldn't even fathom how or why this would happen. How does a healthy young adult just get sick within a few years and pass away out of the blue? My thoughts would constantly race to ask what could have been done differently? Why was I not more involved? Most of all, where was God in all this? I remember nights that I couldn't sleep because I was just gripped with anxiety and fear that, hey, what if I'm next? How do I even trust God moving forward for my life? And I was all of a sudden face to face with the reality of how little control I actually have in life. And God had to teach me that each day that I have on this earth is really a blessing. And each experience, each relationship, is ultimately owned by him. I have the privilege of stewarding them. And the more I strive to own and control my experiences, my family, my friends, my finances, overall my purpose in life, the more anxious and fearful that I'm prone to becoming. And because the truth is everything and everyone belongs to God, we're just his stewards of everything that he gives us on this earth. We should sometimes sit back and think, take an inventory of your life. Is there anything that you can think of that you're managing with an owner's mentality, with assuming control or full and complete control? The best way to really recognize these things is to look at what causes you to get worried. What are some of the root causes of your stress and what makes you anxious? If you see these in your life, release the control and give it back to God. Give the ownership to God. Then faithfully accomplish your role as a steward, managing these things God has put into your care so that you can experience more joy, peace, and fulfillment. God's relationship to us isn't contingent on our success or failures, our strengths, weaknesses. God is God no matter what. He is the creator of heaven and earth, whether you choose to acknowledge him as so or not. We're doing him no favors really by entrusting our lives into his care. We just reap the benefits of all his promises. If we surrender our lives to him, that he will take care of us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So then you may be thinking, what happens when I surrender everything to God and assume responsibility as a steward? Then God does something that hurts me or allows something to happen to me. Well, that's one of the hardest pills to swallow, but we need to think of life on earth from God's lens. Our earthly lives are momentary and temporal, really. Our destination is heaven with him forever. But while we're here on this fallen earth, we'll face trials of many kinds. Even those of us who surrendered our lives to God's care, we still face challenges. God never promises us that 
will have all the answers or will live in this perfect bliss. But he's promised us that he'll get us through it. He'll get us through our trials, our tribulations. He promises that throughout our lives in the ups and downs, he won't abandon us. There's three points that I want to share with you that I believe will really help us develop and maintain an attitude of stewardship instead of ownership. The first is acknowledge God as creator and author of all things. Did you know there's over a hundred verses in scripture that refers to God as the creator? He's the author of everything that exists. Humanity has become so good at identifying and really trying to fathom and explain God's creation. And we refer to this as science that, you know, somehow we think we're being innovative and we're creating something new when really we're using this resources that God has already given to us. Humans have never made something out of nothing. That concept is even hard for us to grasp, to fathom. But God has created things, all things, by speaking them into existence, by speaking them into being. So it's interesting. God gives us trees. As good stewards, we use these resources. We make tables, chairs, houses, and so on and so forth. So the created things that God has blessed us with. We manage them well to sustain our lives. God creates precious metals in the ground. And as stewards of his resources, we refine them and give them some purpose. But ultimately, the control belongs to God. We're excellent managers, but it's when we assume control that we take on a responsibility that we weren't even meant to have. You know, how can you create a meaning and purpose for your life when you didn't create yourself. The notion of looking within ourselves to find purpose and determine the true reason for living is kind of silly, right? It's almost as silly as this. Can you imagine if Siri one day, that you know, the app on your iPhone, one day decided she doesn't want to be Siri anymore and that she will pack up her stuff and she's moving into the political arena to run for president. What? Siri does whatever Apple software engineers program her to do. She's subject to the purpose that her creators assigned for her. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, well, you're missing a big point here. We have free will. We're not robots. That's absolutely right. But God has the author has also given us his perfect will. He's given us the roadmap to fulfilling his will for us. That means that if you choose to follow his will for your life, you can rest assured that you're in line with the one who created you. Why would you want to live any other way, honestly? Doing everything on your own for yourself sounds unbearable, really. It sounds miserable, which leads me to my second point. Our role in stewardship to all that God has given us is brought to life in our faithfulness to God's word. In other words, how do we know if we're being good stewards of everything God has given to us or not? Like our time, our careers, our health, our relationships, our finances. If we've concluded that 
we don't have ownership of these things and that they are ultimately God's, are we using what God has given us wisely? What do we as believers that are called to discipleship do with our time? Is it spent as if we own it and we're in control? Are we intentional with it? You know, one thing about time is that it doesn't stop for anyone. We don't determine how much we have on this earth. It's all up to God. So it's important for us to manage it as though each second is a gift. You know, if God is calling you to do something and to be somewhere, just go. He's giving you the resources to do it. And really, he'll guide you along the way. Don't let your lack of control be the reason you miss out on his divine plans. Let him worry about the unknowns, the timeline, and all that extra stuff. You just show up and remain faithful with what he's given you, to what he's calling you to do, and really to where he's leading your heart. This leads me to the last point. The outcomes of life are not for you to control. Do your part and show up. So really, God is not grading you on the outcome. God is not concerned with you being in control of the outcome. God is concerned with you doing your part to remain faithful in stewardship, no matter the outcome. So let's dive into a very popular story in the Old Testament about a man named Job. And this man really truly understood the assignment of stewardship. He understood it very well. And in Job chapter 1, from verse 1, it says, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts at their homes, and for birthdays, they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would offer burnt sacrifices for each of them, thinking, perhaps maybe my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. There's three things that we know about Job so far. He loves and honors God. He is filthy rich. He has 10 kids. And really, up to this point, we can safely assume that Job is living it up. He is living the dream life. I mean, what more can you ask for? You are doing well. You love God. You have your family surrounding you. You got the servants and you really have everything. I mean, let's be honest. That's what we're chasing too, right? To a certain extent. So let's really dive into this next part and listen to this insane dialogue that occurs next between God and Satan. Mm, yeah, you heard it right. Between God and Satan. So they're having a conversation about Job. It says in verse six, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan had also come with them. Then the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, 
from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread out throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Okay, (laughs) whoa, let's slow down for a second here. First of all, let's not miss what Satan says first. Satan acknowledges that it's God who is the author of all the good things that are in Job's life. He says, you put a hedge around him. You blessed his hands. You are the one that's orchestrating these good things in his life. Satan is insinuating that the only reason that Job loves and honors God is because he has all these things. And listen to how God responds. God responds to Satan with confidence. God himself has so much faith in Job that he responds to Satan like this. He says, very well then. Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out of the presence of the Lord. Really think about this for a second. Do you think that God would have this level of confidence in us that our love and devotion for him wouldn't waver or or stumble or shake when we didn't get what we wanted or when we lost control of whether it's our business our homes or maybe people closest to us hurt us or left us and maybe it's true he could trust in us but for most of us that feel like we own everything including ourselves and you know we really get ready to fight god when We feel that he's taken something from us or allowed someone else to hurt us. We may not feel the same way about God after these things occur. Listen to what begins to happen to Job. Verse 13 says, One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still yet speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three riding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And if that wasn't bad enough, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, and it collapsed on them, and they were dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. 
Yikes. So it's like when it rains, it pours. At this point in verse 20, it says, Job got up, he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground in worship. Isn't that amazing? In worship. And said this. Listen to this point. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, verse 22 says, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. This is amazing. So Job makes some important acknowledgments that number one, he came into this world with nothing and that he would depart with nothing. And the second thing he acknowledges is that God gives and God takes away. And then he goes on further to say, blessed be the name of God. So either Job is crazy or there's something that he's really understood that God is in complete control and it is God that blesses people. It's God that takes and gives. But through it all, it's all about him. Through it all, everything that happens is ultimately for the good. You know, there's some of us who have gone through some some mind-boggling life events. But as stewards of all that God has given us, there's peace in knowing that it is all his to do with what he pleases. Even when it makes no sense to us, we must ultimately believe that God has our best interest. Let's look at what happens next to Job in chapter 2, verse 7. It says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Listen to this. In verse 9, his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job responds, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In other words, I trust God even when it hurts. Job was faithful to God and he understood his role as a steward. He knew that ultimately the results and outcomes of life were up to God and how he saw it fit to be. Job's life, however, did not end in misery. God blessed Job even more than he had before he lost everything. He completely restores Job's life. In chapter 42, verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job's life more than the former part. So he, he it goes on to list, he says, he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. So God really refreshed and restarted his life. It says, the first daughter named Jemima, Jemima the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapu. Nowhere in the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. And then it says, after this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. 
And so Job died an old man full of years. So in this, we can remember God is the creator. We are his stewards. Just show up and manage what he's given you. Use the time that he's blessed you with. And really, you may not understand everything that happens to you or the things that life brings to you. But the outcome is God's responsibility. And ultimately, naked we came and naked we will depart. Leave the ownership rights to the rightful owner. And you will find joy in the process. You will find peace in all of this, knowing that God is in control and that he has the best intentions for you. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what God is calling you or asking you to do, but I want to encourage you to step out in faith. Be a good steward of the gift that God has placed in your heart. Be a good steward of what God is calling you to do. No matter the outcome, God is faithful and he will never leave you or abandon you. The God who has called you is faithful to bring it to fruition. Just trust him and go. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please download them, share them with your friends, comment, tell us what you think. And most of all, tune in next week as we have a brand new episode just for you. This is Aliens on Earth. And until next time, I'm your host, Nate Gazelle.